Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hello and welcome to a brand new Arse Blog Arsecast right here on arsblog.com. How are you? Hope you're well. Thank you very much indeed, as always, for being here. Why the podcast on a Thursday, I hear you say. Well, normally after a Europa League game on a Thursday, I will wait till the Friday, have the chats, do the prep, all that kind of stuff, and put a, a regular normal Arsecast together for you. However, I'm not around tomorrow. Real life and things that happen mean I can't do that. So I've only got this evening. So we're going to do a bit of a, a post-game rundown on our 2-2 uh, draw with Sporting in Lisbon this evening. And uh, bearing that in mind, I just thought the best thing to do, given the massive excitement that there is for the Europa League, would be to get that podcast out for you as, as soon as possible. I mean, it was a bit of a strange game. I thought some good stuff from us some sloppy stuff from us as well but when you consider we did make six changes there was a bug going through the camp you do wonder maybe if one or two of those players were were feeling perhaps not 100% which isn't to make excuses but perhaps to try and understand you know a 2-2 draw away from home in a two-legged tie not the worst thing in the world we take it back to London next week and hopefully we can finish the job then so Let's just get on with it. And with me to talk about the nice action in Portugal is Andrew Allen. Good evening to you. Good evening. How are you doing? I'm all right, thank you. We have a strange-ish kind of a game to discuss because you know, there was a period early on where I figured this could be one of those Europa League games where not much happens, but quite a good amount did. And some of it was good from an Arsenal perspective, some not so good. We'll get into the bits and uh, pieces of that, but we should start, I suppose, with the the team lineup and six changes from the game against Bournemouth. Not unexpected that he would make that many changes, but anything in particular in there that caught your eye? Obviously, a, a, a debut for Jakob Kivior. Um, something I think we kind of had to do, which probably came at the expense of Rob Holding starting a game. But, uh, you know, he's got to give this guy some minutes. So any thoughts on the on the team selection? Um, yeah, obviously interesting to see Kivior get a start. Um, wasn't wholly surprised that it was next to one of the sort of more trusted mm. uh, centre-backs. And this time it was Saliba, obviously. But, um, yeah, I thought the other thing that was quite interesting was Nelson obviously in there instead of, um, I guess, Smith Rowe, who might have been someone mm. you'd have an eye on to start. But given what he did at the weekend, you can you can hardly blame Arteta for picking Nelson. Um, yeah, I mean, it was I knew there were going to be changes. We knew that there were injuries. We knew that there was illness. Um, it sounded like Erdegaard just before the game was, was not well. Tierney was obviously out as well. So, mm. I mean, we didn't have much wiggle room when especially when you look at the bench i think we only had 11 out of the 12 slots taken up and five of those who were 
you know, kids who've never played for us. So mm. um, we did, you know, we, we, we stretched things to the limit, but I thought, you know, by and large, especially when you see who came on in the second half, um, I felt like we're, there was a level of control there, even when things were slightly out of control at times. Yeah, it was a reasonable start. I suppose they did have that chance, didn't they, when um, the dude went through, Gonsalves went through and got in behind, uh, cut inside sure, somebody. But yeah, yeah. yeah, a bit of a long ball kind of a thing, which is similar to the way Bournemouth caused us some problems uh, at the weekend. Whether that was something they deliberately did or targeted, I'm, I'm not 100% sure. But it did calm down. I think we were pretty... Um, pretty calm, pretty good on the ball uh, and went ahead. It was um, it was an interesting goal, I suppose, because before that, there were moments where the ball was coming to Martinelli at his back to goal. It didn't quite stick. We know that's not really his natural game. You know, he wants to turn and run and we'll no doubt talk about that aspect of his game in, in a few minutes' time. But I suppose the talking point about the goal is all the afters that took place. Uh, I couldn't quite figure out what was going on uh, until they showed a replay. There was uh, Zinchenko holding uh, the the sporting guy who went down, and then there seemed to be some some aggro over that. Um, but let's talk first about Saliba and his goal. Good header, probably Arsenal's best player on the night, and deserved um, deserved to put us ahead. Yeah, I mean, I guess. Um... You know, we had enough practice taking corners at the weekend against Bournemouth. It was about time that one of them actually found an Arsenal head, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, great header. Found himself a yard of space and, and kind of powered it in. I mean, it did look on the replay like Zinchenko was holding someone at the back post. But when I, you know, we had a little chat about this during the game, mm. you, you made the, you know, what I think is a correct point, which is the ball was never really ever getting as far as that guy. So he wasn't really interfering with play. That said, I mm. am slightly surprised VAR didn't take um, a closer look, but they seem a bit more liberal with that type of thing when, when you know, the it's uh, UEFA's uh, VAR guys rather than the Premier League. Um, nice ball by Vieira mm-hmm. for him to get an assist. Obviously, he was getting heavily booed by the, the home crowd because of his, um, his Porto roots. Um, but yeah, I mean, he was uh, he was a lively figure, I thought, Vieira, and he deserved at least to come away from that game with with an assist. And Saliba, yeah, was just definitely our, our best player on the night. I mean, I felt like he kind of had a level of control at the back where mm. others were a little bit kind of losing their heads at times. Um, yeah, I mean, again, he, 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 after the game, sort of spoke quite positively about playing with Kivior, who obviously, you know, it's quite a difficult game to be thrown into. Um, away from home against mm. European opposition in a knockout tie. And he said that he felt like they both played pretty well. Uh, I don't know how Kivior would necessarily rate his performance, but I imagine he'd probably think he can get a little bit better. It looked a, a bit rough with the with the goal that they scored and also actually, well, both goals that they scored really because mm. I think the pass in the second goal as well also kind of sort of beats him or he has to turn and he finds a player behind him. So. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it was, uh, it was it was frantic. It was frantic that kind of that period in the second half, obviously. But that first half, I mean, I thought we would do, we were good value for the lead, and I thought we'd we'd be able to kind of, I don't know, just stamp on their throat a little bit and keep them, you know, mm. away from us. But yeah, after that, we sort of lost control. He did shoulder the defensive burden, Saliba. If you look at the stats, uh, you know, one tackle, two interceptions, four clearances. 
Kivior, no tackles, no interceptions, no clearances, which isn't to be critical, but it's just to show that Saliba was the guy who was taking charge back there. Um, I mean, I think Kivior on the ball looked really tidy. Um, 95.9% uh, pass completion, you know, was steady on the ball. Um but again, made half as many passes as, as Saliba did. So I guess it's difficult for him, isn't it? Because he's come in to a new club, playing his first game away from home, uh, hasn't played for whatever, uh, you know, a good month, month and a half, maybe since he arrived. Probably wants to do everything calmly and sensibly and what have you. But um, I mean, that does sort of take us on to to their goal. Uh, there was a period, wasn't there, where we were in control and then we, if not lost control, we handed a little bit of momentum, a little bit of initiative to to Sporting with some some poor passing in midfield. We'd win it back, give it away again. There was, um, yeah, there was just a bit of a sloppiness, I think, in, in the way that we played that sort of five minutes before the goal and look it's too easy I think to say the goal is a consequence directly of of that period of play but it's one of those that you can concede when you hand the opposition a bit of a bit of impetus yeah I mean I made a note as early as like the second or third minute that we seem to be slightly under hitting our passes um, mm. particularly playing out from the back and I don't know whether there was a sort of hesitancy on the part of, you know, Turner, who again, hadn't played since January as well. Mm. But, you know, by and large, we, we looked like a side who were slightly disjointed at the back, who were trying to play the way that we always play, but with players who were just a bit rusty, really. And, um, you know, it doesn't take much in those circumstances, especially when the a team starts to press you high for, mm. for, for mistakes to be forced. And, you know, Sporting, to give them their due, certainly did force a couple of those mistakes. And, and we got more and more nervy. The crowd got a bit more into it. Mm. And, um, yeah, we were we were on the back foot for, for a good few minutes. And actually, you know, when they did score, it came at the end of a period of pressure where you kind of felt like the goal had been coming. I mm. think the guy who ended up, heading home had also had the daisy cutter shot just before, which had forced Turner into a save from, you know, mm. 25 yards or something. And, you know, I was at that point getting sort of, you know, I was shuffling in my seat, getting a bit <laughs> agitated, kind of thinking, you know, come on guys, we need to get a grip on this. Mm. And, um, you know, and, and, and then, then that happened. I mean, it's, it's becoming a little bit of a trend at the moment to concede from set pieces, having been on an incredibly good sure. run. How do you, I mean, do I don't mean to say that the Europa League is not important, but I mean, do you have to view this on its own merits, if you like, the Europa League, given that it is, you know, a debutante centre half, a goalkeeper who you say, uh, you know, hasn't played since January, is obviously the very, is the second choice goalkeeper. Um, like, I think both of them could have done better on on that goal, for sure. It's a good save from Turner, actually. Um but I think my note, the, the note I made or was just looking at is I think there was a poor pass from Turner, which was basically the spark for for that period of, of sporting pressure. Um, you know, it's one of those things, isn't it, that like any player on the pitch can be nervous, but if a goalkeeper is nervous, there's a special kind of fizz that you can get from a crowd if they sense the goalkeeper isn't quite mm. uh, confident enough on the ball. And I think that's what we saw a few times from Matt Turner tonight. There were a couple of good passes. Actually, there was one really good one into midfield in the second half. 
but overall he did look a little bit iffy on the ball. So when you're looking at that goal, decent delivery in, Kivior doesn't do anything. It looks like, and it sounds like there's a bit of a shout on the replay when you hear it. There's somebody shouting something. Matt Turner, you can hear him shout before. That's how I assume it's him. I'm not 100%. I can't say categorically. But it is one of those where the ball is dropping inside your six-yard area. You, as the goalkeeper, you need to be decisive and you need to be commanding in that position. And he came, changed his mind, was rooted to the spot. And and the guy, you know, it's a good header. I don't know... um, that he had any chance of of getting anywhere near it, Turner. But I think you need your goalkeeper in those positions to be a bit more a bit more decisive. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it never really looks pretty when the ball falls slap bang in the middle of the six-yard box no. and there's one guy and five guys in a red, one guy in a green shirt and five guys in a red shirt just sort of, you know, standing mm. there and, and the ball goes in. So it... it 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 looked sloppy. I think, um, as you say, Turner should have really just been decisive, gone for the ball, mm. no matter what. And and I think the the fact that he would have had some forward momentum would have even put off the uh, the, the guy who scored. So, um, yeah, it wasn't it wasn't great. Uh, I have to say, and I think you know they'll be looking back at that on the training ground over the next couple of days and be <laughs> discussing it, and mm. uh, you know, fingering whoever was supposed to, you know do the marking and all the rest of it. So yeah, not good. I mean, at the same time, you know, we, we did pretty well after that. I felt to kind of calm things down again. I mean, mm. you know, it's, it was a sort of, it was a weird seesaw game, wasn't it? I know with these Europa league games, especially with the first leg ones, I never have that same tension that you have with league yeah. matches where it always feels like everything is on the line. Right. Yeah. You know, with these ones, there's always this sort of like almost a level of forgiveness that you can <laughs> you can allow when when the the matches play out like this. And um, yeah, I mean, I, I felt relatively calm. I always felt like there was something for us in the game. Um, mm. Yeah, I mean, just staying with, with Turner for a second and the 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 ball at his feet issue, which was evident again tonight, and it has been in in previous games. I think it's obviously something that was spoken about before he arrived, that it wasn't necessarily his strength. It's something he's worked on. I mean, can you just put that down to rustiness, lack of match practice? Um, I mean, what did I say to you? It's like, uh, I can't remember the, the phrase I used, but it, you said he, he looks like he's overthinking. And I said, he's you know, before the ball comes to him, it looks like he's standing there thinking about how the pass can go wrong. You know, yeah. Yeah. and I get it. You know, if there's a nervousness there and and um, and everything else, I mean, is this just the life of a number two goalkeeper? Is this? What- I mean, I think. Yeah, I mean, I think the situation he finds himself in is this is not my strong point, but this is how the team wants to play. This is how the team is mm-hmm. asked to play. I have to play that way. But you can completely understand, given he sees so much of the ball back there, that he might feel nervous when there are people chasing him down, you know, I think, you know, that those angles aren't always easy. And I mean, what it does also say is how easy Ramsdale kind of makes it look or how comfortable you feel with Ramsdale now when the ball comes back to him. I mean, I think it's kind of almost difficult comparing the two because Ramsdale has been doing this for a couple of seasons, every week, week in, week out and all the rest of it. And yeah, for Turner, it's, it's a much more difficult thing. I mean, I've always, I mean, I've said it to you before, but, and, and probably on the podcast that I always found it quite a surprising 
decision to go after a goalkeeper where you knew that playing out with their feet wasn't their strong point, that mm. this was effectively a, a, a new string they were going to have to, you know, add to their bow. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think he's getting better. And I have to say there's courage there because he's he's not kind of just deciding during games to start shanking it, you know, left, right and centre and up the pitch and get away, you know, get it away from me type stuff. He is actually kind of giving it a go. Mm. Um, and his shot stopping was good. He made two good yeah, saves. Uh, there was one good punch. Good you know, you know, he is. Yeah, it's just that 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 particular issue. Um, look, it's very hard, isn't it? Because we've only seen him play about five or six games, mm. and it's manifested itself a few times in those games. Uh, and it, and you 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 can't help but think that that might be a feature of of how he plays. But yeah, I think you're right to point out that there is more to him than that. You know, but. Um, it's a worry a little bit, and I do wonder if we go further into this competition, if that's a decision or if that's something that will prey on Mikel Arteta's mind when he makes his his team selections. Yeah, I mean, I th- I think if we do get through this tie and we end up with a, a big team in a, in a quarter final, mm. I mean, I think I think he'll go for Ramsdale. Mm. I mean, I think he'll put a, a full strength team out as strong as he can go, depending on I can't remember which fixtures fall either side and, and what injuries are like and all the rest of it. But mm. I'd expect him to kind of to push the, the limits, and you know, he's quite happy playing every, every other player there, you know, in their usual positions if necessary. So mm. um, I don't think he's just going to sort of continue to be courteous to, to Turner just for the sake of it. Sure. Um, yeah, but that's uh, one for us to worry about further down the line. You'll a little bit further. Goal next week. Yeah, next week. Yeah, <laughs> I think you'll play the, the the game next week as well. So towards the end of the half, there was a like there was another chance, almost a goal, where the ball nearly went over the line. The keeper made a save, and then there was a bizarre situation where, as he was looking to clear it, the keeper started complaining about something. And the referee came over and he, I think the keeper pointed to Martinelli and he gave Martinelli a yellow card. Uh, I, I don't know if he, I don't know why he thought he could give Martinelli a yellow card because he didn't do anything to merit a yellow card. But he obviously heard some complaints from the sporting keeper and, and from some of their players and issued the yellow card on that basis, right? But then there was a VAR check and we're sitting at home hundreds of miles away, and we can see why exactly the sporting keeper got annoyed or frustrated because Granit Xhaka knocked the ball out of his hands. And then there's a VAR check, and you're thinking, well, surely they'll rescind the yellow card and maybe give it to Xhaka instead. What What do you think they saw in the VAR room that we didn't see on TV? I, 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 I thought for a moment because the – you know, the referee came into view on the camera and it gen- genuinely looked like he was going to get his card out of his pocket and actually kind of do that reverse decision thing. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. It genuinely looked like that was what he was going to do. And then it was almost like, ah, oh, don't worry about it. Just Let's just get on with it. You mm. know, he just sort of changed his mind. I felt actually throughout the game with both sides that the referee was quite reactive to what the players were asking for. Yeah. Um, there was a free kick in the second half. I think ben, the Ben White one, I think, you know, um, he was tackled from behind and, it, you know, maybe it was a free kick or maybe it wasn't, but the play played on, you know, and, and suddenly we were going down the wing and, and then when we lost the ball, he suddenly decided, oh, well, the Arsenal players are asking for it, so I'll give it to them. So, mm. I don't know, maybe that's just a sort of different style of refereeing that we've not, you know, we're not accustomed to. <laughs> really, but, just do what the players want, um, refereeing, but, yeah. You know, Martinelli, 
is can rightly be frustrated. And obviously in a competition like this where yellow cards can stack up and you can end up kind of missing a game further down the line, you really hope that that doesn't kind of bite him in the arse. Um, I don't yeah. think, I mean, he wasn't at risk of missing the next game off the back of this particular yellow card, but you know, there were players who uh, on the sporting team had that situation and they will be missing next week. Yeah, Coates um, and... Um, and the uh, Japanese defender, didn't he? Yeah. Also, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, what's, you know, Martinelli doesn't get that many yellow cards. What happens if you get to a semi-final and Martinelli picks up a another yellow that keeps him out of the final or something? It's a weird one. I don't know if there's any grounds to appeal that decision but obviously if the ref has made his mind up and VAR has had a look and decided there's nothing to overturn mm. it, it seems like it'd be very different I don't know if there's any amnesty like if you get to the semi-final stage does it reset or anything like that I don't think so um, well yellow. we can worry about that further down the line but you know yellow. right for Martinelli to feel annoyed that's mm. for sure I'm just looking here there's some story that I'm looking at UEFA change rules uh, Champions League after the quarterfinals. Okay, so that so possibly you know, I can't say that that's for sure because I don't really uh, I can't say the source is a hundred percent trustworthy. Presumably, but, if he gets booked in the second leg, he'll miss the first leg of the quarterfinal. Right. Yeah. So, but if he I goes mean, beyond the quarterfinal, does he go back to? Yeah, I think they've made a rule so that you don't end up missing finals unless you've been red carded in the semi. Right. I think. I feel relatively positive about that. Uh, I'm sure they did that in the World Cup anyway. All Yeah, all yellow cards expire on completion of the quarterfinals. So, yeah. Okay. You Fair go into the semifinals, I guess, with a clean slate. Unless, of course, you've been sent off in the quarterfinal then. You're, you're, you're going to miss that game anyway. Right. Well, look, a bit of a weird one, but Arsenal started the second half really well, really well. Uh, came out of the blocks, had some chances. Inchenko played one for Martinelli where I think he tried to chip the goalkeeper from close range and Fabio Vieira's in the middle looking for uh, a pullback, looking for a square ball for a tap-in. Um, who else? I think Vieira, Vieira had just one. passed the post, yeah, from the edge of the box. The, I have to say, I thought he was, um, I thought it was a really positive performance from him this evening. Fabio, like I, yeah, yeah, I, I liked like, him. I felt like a lot of the play went through him. I felt like he wanted the ball a lot. I felt like this was a game where he wanted to take the game by the scruff of the neck. I mean, potentially that was because there was a bit of bite you know, between him and the fans because of those routes we've already talked about. But, you know, I, I, I looked at him and I thought, okay, yeah, this is a guy who can make a difference in the game. I trust him. I, I look at him. I feel like he's dangerous. Mm. Um, he was connecting a lot of, you know, what we were doing. Um, yeah, it was a very, very positive performance. And I think that was probably the, you know, giving him the start there and the, 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 the fact that he's been kind of playing more regularly recently, you start to go, okay, I see what Arteta's seeing now. Yeah, he is coming into... Uh, into the picture a bit more frequently now. And I think the minutes he's getting on a more regular basis are, are helping him, um, you know, play better, I guess. You know, there have been mm -hmm. some games that have passed him by, but I think he is becoming slowly, slowly, slowly a bit more influential and expanding out the squad. You know, we've uh, had a squad where you think maybe we've got 12, 13, 14 players. You know, he's somebody else now who who can come in and feature on a regular basis. I agree. I thought he was good. 
Um, I thought his eye for a pass was good. I think some of his movement is really good. He did get swallowed up a bit, though, didn't he, towards the end when he was playing as the the false nine and basically there were two gigantic central defenders there every time the ball came anywhere near him. Yeah, I, I kind of I sensed that he want well Arteta wanted Martinelli to provide more cover on the wide area with his mm. pace in case there was any counter attacks and um, I guess the other option would have been to put Smith Rowe in the false nine position mm. but he chose not to do that and gave Vieira the responsibility. Uh, I guess you can say that that was an experiment they must have worked on in training at some point and at some point we were going to try and see it especially with these injuries that we've got but. It's not one that you'd necessarily yeah. uh, repeat anytime soon, especially if you're up against two giant lumps. Well, exactly. What about the Martinelli chance from, was it uh, Zinchenko cross again? Martinelli had a header from six yards. And I think, you know, it's one of those where given the position, given the quality of the ball, you know, he couldn't quite keep it down, but I'm not sure he quite timed his jump right either. I feel like that for a center forward, that's a really good chance. Yeah, and actually I forgot because obviously Vieira had another good header as well, didn't he? That they Tipped over. Carried over just straight after, you know. Um, yeah, I thought that was a, a good effort as well. I mean, to be fair, like between Vieira and Martinelli, there was there were plenty of chances to get on the score sheet tonight. Mm. Um, I mean, I know we only touched on it, but that save that Adan made from Martinelli when he was played in by Zinchenko, the little dink, was actually a very, very good save. You know, mm. it's exactly what you'd want your striker to do in that situation. Um so yeah, I mean, you know, they were they were dangerous on a night when we didn't have a kind of bona fide striker. Mm. You know, we created lots of chances and I know that we came out of it with two goals and one was a defender and one was an own goal. But um, yeah, I was I, I felt relatively positive and I feel like even if you fielded that same side next week, you could probably, you know, you'd expect some goals as well. So Sporting got into it then after we'd had that period and there was a, a break where I think Saliba made an absolutely sensational intervention in, in our box. Uh, brilliant clearance. Um but they scored pretty much uh, straight away after that, I think. Um, mm. The ball came back out. They played a pass inside Zinchenko a little bit too easily. And I'll, I'll talk about Zinchenko maybe in the same way as, as Ben White and Bakayo Saka in a minute, not to be critical, but just goes to something that Martin Keown was talking a little bit about on, on BT Sport afterwards. Turner a little bit unlucky, like it's a sort of reflex save, isn't it? Just comes out. There's three players there. It could have gone to either of the defenders. It went right between both of them, and the the sporting guy just pokes it home. Um, I mean, it's what can you do? I mean, not every goal is an absolute disaster, but uh, I think we probably could have defended the uh, the ball back in after we'd made that clearance first. I think we could have defended that a bit better. Yeah, I mean, Marcus Edwards is a is a tricky player, and coming off the the right there to to make the the pass that he did. I mean, it was a, it was a good pass, but it was also the kind of movement that he'd been making all night, and I don't think we ever really got mm. properly to grips with it. So you can ask questions there. I mean, the ball turned as you say, Zinchenko went behind Zinchenko, it went behind Kivior, and I think Jorginho was the other player who was trying to to, to get across to block that initial shot. Um, so yeah, it was it was frustrating, sloppy. I mean, I think Arteta labelled it as sloppy. Uh, both goals are sloppy in in the post match comments. Um, mm. So yeah, it's clear he wasn't particularly pleased about that. 
we almost had a replica of the Martinelli versus Chelsea goal, except it would have been better had he yeah. scored this one. It would have been, I think, markedly better. You know, well, technically as a goal, any goal against Chelsea is going to be better than a goal against Sporting with all due respect. But what a run. He picked it up, drove past one, two, three defenders, went round another one. Should he have taken the shot rather than go around the keeper? I was just looking for him to slide it at that point. I was going, take the shot, just slide it beyond him, and it's going to be it's going to be a goal. But he obviously wanted to go around him. I think the touch, did the keeper get a tiny touch? I'm not sure. Was Martinelli's touch, did it take him a little bit too far? And then um, what was the guy's name? San Just. Uh, he, he celebrated he, it like he'd yeah, he really did. I mean, look, as a defender, that is something you, you'd you love doing just as much as a goal to get back and deny uh, an opponent uh, what would have been basically a tap-in. You know, it's brilliant defending. Um, but I think maybe Martinelli should have taken the shot on a bit sooner. Yeah, absolutely. Do you, do you remember years ago, um, I mean, it's a slightly different circumstance, but uh, against Shakhtar Donetsk, I think Walcott took an, an, an effort very, very early uh, as he was played through and goal. I mean, we ended up losing the game like 5-1 or something. Mm. But, um, it was one of those cases where you were like, you've, you've, you've done the hard work with the run. Just just go and put the ball mm. past the keeper. Um, in that instance, Martin Lee, I don't know if you ever watched the, the, the Mighty Ducks uh, sort of <laughs> hockey films, but there's a guy in that who sort of skates really, really fast but doesn't know how to stop. Right. I felt like that was where Martinelli was in that instance. Like he just kept on going and kept on going. If the pitch had been another kind of 90 yards. He did just kept going. Yeah, yeah, well. yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it was, it, it, I, I was sort of, you know, it was one of those ones where I sort of bashed the sofa as, a, mm. as, as he kind of fluffed his lines. But at the same time, there's not many players, certainly in our team, but, you know, maybe in world football who can run from the halfway line like that and create mm. a chance out of nothing. And obviously we've seen him do it before with with, with greater effect against Chelsea that time. But um, It was yeah, almost, almost the same sort of... Um same sort of setup with with him and the goalkeeper. I know his angle when he was uh, when he scored against Chelsea, it was a little more straight down the middle. Um, but I just you know I think tonight he's going to be uh, you know trying to get to sleep, and that's going to be going over and over in his head, and he'll mm -hmm. be thinking I should should have taken the should have taken the shot, and then it could very easily have been three one to Sporting. They had a brilliant chance. Guy goes through on goal. You could see what he's trying to do. Uh, there's a guy behind the goal in the replay who's very entertaining. I don't know if you noticed that on the TV. He's just like, ah, head in hands. He can't believe that he's he's missed it. And then moments later, we're 2-2. Two, two. So it was a kind of madcap two or three minutes uh, that, that um, I don't know, maybe not quite in keeping with the rest of the game. But, uh, you know, it just shows you the vagaries of football that it could have been one thing, could have been another thing, and then it ended up something else entirely. I mean, I, I hate those patches when you're doing the match report because you're <laughs> sort of barely able to look up at the screen and all you hear is the commentator telling you there's another piece of action happening, mm. which you can sort of like, quick, I've got to get the words down for the last one or oh, what's going on. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, Paulinho really, I mean, he should have he, he should have made it 3-1. I think if he makes it 3-1, mm. I don't know that we come back necessarily tonight and, 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 and get, get anything from the game. You know, we might grab a, a, a three, two, but I, I don't think a draw would have been on the cards. Cause mm. I just think, you know, you can't, you can't keep coming back like that. Um, and to be fair, you know, we were very fortuitous with that second goal. I mean, it was a complete freak, 
uh, the way that you know Xhaka was looking. I think for Martinelli's run, wasn't he? And he, he was. He like he whacked it in at him. Um, comes off the side of. Uh, I can't remember what the Japanese guy's name. Sorry, it's terrible. Um, Morita. Morita. Yeah. 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 Um, you know, and he looked completely crestfallen. I know that they were complaining in the build-up that Saka had potentially fouled someone, but I didn't think it was anything there. Mm. I mean, it was certainly no more of a foul than the one that, um, was it Erdegaard supposedly did at uh, Old Trafford? Yeah, at Old Trafford, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. so in this instance, it, we score, and in that one, we didn't. So, yeah, I mean, it was uh, it was a very good time to score because just as they were sort of picking up um, steam, uh, it kind of felt like we nipped that in the bud a little bit. Mm. And then Arteta kind of drastic action made four substitutions in the space of about five minutes and, and, and Sporting made a couple themselves. And after that, the whole game just sort of seemed to, mm. to die down, didn't it? Tommy Asu on the left-hand side was really good when he came yeah. on. I think that, you know, you mentioned it earlier. I think they wanted to to try and shore up that left-hand side Um Zinchenko not at his best defensively. Tommy Asu obviously had a difficult game against Bournemouth on on Saturday, um, taken off at halftime, and you know that was an I suppose what you would say an atypical performance from him against Bournemouth. This looked much more like the Tommy Asu that we saw last season, winning duels, driving forward, putting balls in the box. You know, the two-footedness. I think, you know, I know it's only a 2-2 draw away at home uh, to Sporting in, in the Europa League, but kind of just what he needed after that first half against Bournemouth. Yeah, he, he looked like he came on with a point to prove. Mm. Um, kind of put himself about, um, there were some nice feet trying to drive towards the byline to get a ball into the box. He just, yeah, he looked like he, he, he wanted to kind of draw a line in the sand after the substitution at the weekend. Do you think, um, I mean, sorry, sorry to interrupt, but do you think the fact that he didn't start at right back is because Arteta probably had him earmarked for a left-back substitution for Zinchenko because of the absence of, of Tierney? Yeah, Probably. Mm. I think I think there was a bit of having to reshuffle the pack there. Mm. Um, because I think, yeah, if, if Tierney hadn't been ill, he was a surefire starter tonight. Um, do you want to talk about Zinchenko? Because I feel like there's a bit of a Zinchenko tax we have to pay every time he plays. Explain that to me, because I, I kind of know what you mean. I know what you mean. There are moments where uh, I find myself wondering like a player of his obvious talent and ability and technical quality he does things every almost every game he'll play like a blind pass yeah into midfield and it's not to an arsenal player or something you know and i suppose i i should put this where we could discuss him in the context of i mentioned earlier ben white i mentioned bakayo saka and i'm not saying that these guys were going through the motions Far from it, right? But Keon was interesting afterwards where they were talking about Saka and Saka not being rested. And he said, sometimes as a player, you say, okay, well, I'm not being rested. I'm going to manage myself in this game because I know we've got the weekend. We've got a big game against Fulham coming up. This is a two-legged tie. It's away from home. You know, we're 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 drawing 2-2. You know, we were behind for a few minutes, but it's 2-2. 
Like, I'm not saying they don't put in the effort because Saka, I think, had about seven or eight dribbles tonight that came off and, and had a couple of good shots and everything else. But somebody like Zinchenko, somebody like Ben White, I think were probably, if not deliberately playing within themselves, doing what Keown said there and managing their managing their own physicality through this game. Does that make sense? Yeah, I mean, I think Saka's performance reminded me a little bit of the one he had in the FA Cup against City, mm. where he's sort of, he's there, he's an option, he's an outlet, but he didn't necessarily, particularly in the first half, didn't really kind of go for it. Like, I felt like he was almost like, sort of waiting for someone else to take the responsibility as if it was like, God, guys, like, don't make me do it every game, every week, you know. Yeah. I'm just going to let someone else take responsibility. And if I have to, then I'll get myself involved. And to be fair, like, he played the full 90 minutes and in the last 10 minutes he had two dribbles and uh, which ended in shots and, yeah. and looked like he was trying to make the difference. But <clears throat> I certainly feel like in the first half in particular, he was, yeah, as you say, maybe playing within himself a little bit. Um Zinchenko, I just think, is prone to lapses in concentration. Yeah. And I think it's part of it is he's playing at a very, very high level and he's always trying difficult things and trying to, you know, outsmart yeah. his opponents. And occasionally, if he just takes his, you know, mind off things, he still tries to play those passes and they don't always come off. And then suddenly we're left quite exposed because of where he's playing those passes from. Yeah. Um, Ben White, I didn't, I, I, you know, I, I didn't really notice anything. No, I mean again, different I, about Ben White I, tonight, I, to be honest. But, I thought he was um, a bit. I thought he looked a bit tired. Yeah, um, well, that could were, well be the case. To be fair, could could well be. There was one. <laughs> there was one sort of flop late in the game where I was going, oh, that that guy is tired. And then there were a couple of mm. overlaps, and I think there was a late overlap where Smith Rowe didn't make the pass it goes out for a goal kick and you can see Arteta on the sideline screaming at him to get back up the pitch and he's just he's absolutely knackered you know which is understandable but again I think you know it's it's the kind of tie it's the kind of game isn't it that lends itself to you like you're if it's a final you go blood and thunder you're not going to get blood and thunder in the first leg of a Europa League round of 16 tie as much as, you know, we'd all enjoy that and like to see that and everyone giving help, you know, there is an element of common sense that comes into the way that players themselves approach these games. Like they know probably that it's going to be more difficult against Fulham on Sunday. So save a bit, leave a bit in the tank, whether it's conscious or subconscious or whatever. Like, I, th I just think this is the kind of fixture that lends itself to that kind of performance yeah i mean look, I, if i if i sit here as a supporter and say i didn't really feel the same tension because it's a two-leg game and all the rest of it you know mm. i'm certain that the players must also feel that as well and they must sort of think to themselves well if we just you know keep ourselves within punching distance going into the second leg mm. we'll be okay and i genuinely got the vibe you know listening to the post-match comments from saliba and jacker that they're more than happy to get out of there with a with a draw, just mm. knowing that they get to go and do it on home turf, potentially with a couple of players returning and all the rest of it. I do feel like the the fact that there were some injuries and illness around the camp probably also added to that sense of let's just let's, <laughs> let's just, just get, get out of here yeah. alive. Let's get through this. Yeah, I mean, and we don't know if any of the players that were out there as well were. Perhaps feeling a little bit under the weather. You know, it could easily be a case that, that a couple of the guys who were playing tonight weren't 100% or were, were not feeling 
particularly great. And look, he did bring on Partey, he did bring on Gabriel, he did bring on Smith-Rowe. And I think in the last 20 minutes or so, we basically controlled the game without really making the chances to, to win it. We we diminished the threat of sporting by basically playing most of that game in the in the opposition half. And I think Gabriel gave us a bit more solidity at the back. Partey gave us a bit more control in midfield. Smith Rowe beginning, just beginning, beginning, beginning to look a little bit like he's got the the shapes and the moves that we know he has. Some of the some of the things he tried didn't quite come off, but it's good to see him get out there and get those minutes. And, you know, on the balance of play, two two, I think is a is an okay result. Like I don't know that anyone's gonna get too freaked out over it. No, I think if you'd told me yesterday, having heard that there was a bit of illness around and that we weren't going to have any strikers available, mm. that a draw was on the cards, a 2-2. I mean, it would be even better if away goals were in play, but um, mm. they're not anymore. Uh, but yeah, no, a draw, was, a draw was fine. I fancy us. I said after the game on Twitter, I think they're eminently beatable. Um, mm. there's a, there's a, we created enough tonight for me to think this is a team that you know leaves space our attackers seem to have their, you know, I think their their defenders on toast, and, and you know they're missing their two two of their centre backs now because of yellow cards as well. So um, I don't also think that they're going to be a side that <clears throat> rocks up to the Emirates and just tries to sit back and defend. I think they'll mm. probably have a go. So that will also make it um, interesting. Uh, so yeah, by and large, relatively positive, but at the same time. You know, room for improvement. Room for improvement, of course, of course. Just um, to finish us off, I suppose we should talk about the absentees, the fact that we didn't have Trossard, we didn't have Enkedia, we didn't have Gabriel Jesus. There is this talk of illness in the camp, which, you know, is a little bit of a worry. Um, you don't want anything spreading and, and everybody coming down with the lurgy before you play a, a very difficult away game in the Premier League. So um, it's sort of up in the air a little bit as to, you know, what's going to happen before before Sunday, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I think the big one missing is is potentially Erdegaard. Mm. Um, you don't really want to lose your captain and, and chief playmaker for an away game when you're already missing strikers. So that's definitely a concern for me. But what have we got? 48 hours to kind of um, regroup get our heads together. I don't think Trossard and Nketiah are going to be available. And, you know, if Jesus was magically available, I think it would only be for 10, 15 minutes at the end of a game. So, you know, it may be that we just have to make do and mend, as it were, and, and continue to try and give minutes to the guys who played tonight and, and see if we can find a way to muddle through. But, you know, it's... Um, Arteta warned earlier in the season, you know, when we were playing three games a week, that, you know, this is what's... This, this is how it's going to be for the rest of the season. We're just going to have to do it. Yeah, I mean, the, it, it, he was asked about it on on BT afterwards, wasn't he? Like, did you did you feel like he didn't want to bring Thomas Partey and Gabriel on? And he's like, no, we they're there, they're here to play, and we need to use them in situations like this. Um, like, I I do think that he views their roles, or you know the the potential. Uh, that an injury might have, uh, damage that an injury might have, that we all fear as fans, they don't really think about it like that. He thinks, these are the players, I will use the players as I see fit or as I need to use these players in a certain game. And 
whether it's Thomas Partey or whether it's starting William Saliba or whether it's bringing Gabrielle on or playing Bakayo Saka for 90 minutes, it's, this is their job as far as he's concerned. And they're there to be used as and when he feels he, he needs to use them. Yeah, look, I'm I'm almost certain that the the fitness and medical team and the coaches and all the rest of it are keeping a very close eye on who sure. played what minutes when, and it's all being very carefully managed. And while Arteta will always say to camera that he's only focused on the game in front, mm. I do, I do think that they 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 can't not kind of have one eye on the game after because otherwise you know you'd be sure. foolish not to really would you especially yeah. with you know, two different competitions in play here and you know that the league is more important. Um, yeah, I, I think that's a good mentality to have though. I mean, he's he's been banging that drum for quite a while now and so long as the players buy into it, there's no problem with that, right? Yeah. Um, by and large, the issues that we've had have come out of nowhere, really. I mean, you know, Trossard and Nketiah, you wouldn't have had down to sort of pick up knocks and muscular injuries when they did. And um yeah, I mean, what can you do about illness? There's nothing. So, yeah. yeah, everyone has to step up. And I think it's going to be like this now for the for the rest of the season. Well, it's all ahead of us, starting uh, on Sunday, of course, with Fulham. We'll see what the, uh, the lay of the land is for that. For now, we'll leave it there. Andrew, as ever, thank you very much. Thank you. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Life is full of awesome what-ifs, and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at UH1.com. Thank you very much indeed to Andrew. You can find him on Twitter. He is at AAllenSports.com. At A. Allen Sport. Right. I'm going to leave it there just to get this podcast out this evening. Because of the way it's all worked out, there won't be a, an end bit at the end of this Arsecast. I apologize. But fingers crossed, everything will be back to normal for next week's show. We will look ahead to the Fulham game on Saturday. We'll have a preview podcast for you over on Patreon. Myself and Lewis Ambrose will take stock of the latest team news and whatever bits and pieces of information we get from Mikel Arteta that will drop on Saturday. We will have a discussion. We'll have that podcast for you on Patreon on Saturday afternoon, lunchtime, there or thereabouts. You can sign up if you would like. Patreon.com forward slash arseblog. James and I will be here on Monday with an Arsecast Extra. For now, as ever, thank you very much indeed for listening. We'll leave it there, and we will catch you on the next one. Until then, cheers. Bye-bye.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.